Welcome to the Switch RPG Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Gio, and I'm joined by Johnny. Johnny, how are we doing today? Doing great. Excellent, excellent. If this is your first time listening to the show from Switch RPG, where we bring you the latest in the world of RPGs on the Nintendo Switch. This week is a kind of a light news week. but Very light. Yeah, very light. But we do have something... Um, Hidden up our sleeves, something, some list that we like, we, w- we want to put together, a little spooky list. Johnny, what are you playing? I've been playing some games. Nice. All Actually, right. My, my, oh, I'm sorry. I thought that was it. Not I it. finished Hades. You finished Hades. I finished Hades. How does it, one even finish that game, honestly? It, you have to beat it multiple times. <laughs> And then, and then eventually you finish it, and the credits will officially roll. There is a credit roll, and uh, it is a very that whole ending sequence is awesome, okay. well worth it. And it took about forty hours for me to get to that credit roll. So mileage may vary. Maybe some people can do it in thirty hours. Maybe some people will take up to fifty hours, but it'll vary just by the nature of. I guess you have to beat the game a certain number of times or trigger. Because every time you go through a run, you're getting brand new storyline. Right. Every single time. And right. every time you go back, you're getting more storyline every single time. And even after you beat it, they have more storyline. <laughs> and you can keep going and you're going to get more storyline. It's insane how much story there is in that game. I actually am probably going to continue playing it just because of how much extra stuff, storyline-wise, never mind, like, progress, like, right. like gameplay progress stuff. There's just so much to that game. It's also a very easy game to just pick up and play and just do, like, do a little bit of short yeah. runs or whatever. Yeah. They're short runs because I'm not very good at it, but do a few runs or, or whatever. Um, well, I wouldn't... I don't know about short, because when you a run, because uh, they give you a timer right. for when you complete a run, they, they show like, oh, you beat it in this amount of time. And it can fluctuate between, uh, I think my lowest, my quickest was like 38 minutes oh, wow. for a run. And usually I'm right around 40 minutes for a run or 45 minutes for a run. It depends. If you're going slow, it could probably take up to like 50 minutes, but it's under an hour. So each run is going to be under an hour. I and I think that's probably my biggest problem. I rush way too much. I I I don't know. I don't, I haven't found the best way to like to really do well. Like I don't. I'm not sure if it's high attack damage, uh, regular attack damage, high cast damage, a uh, high dash. Da- like I don't know what the right combination is yet. And I think uh... and I think once I figure that part of it out, I'll be all right. Yeah, it, it depends on the weapon, and it depends on the on the boons that come your way. Okay. So yeah. I would say the best the best boons to get is the uh, the hammer upgrade, the one that upgrades your weapon directly. Yep. And gives it like different modes of attack. Always go for that one over a god boon. Really. An Olympian boon. Always, always pick that one. That one's definitely the best. 
Um, I mean, when you look at the currency, when, when you're going to Karen and you're buying stuff and you see how expensive certain things are, the hammer is always going to be the, one of the most expensive things. That's true. And, yeah. it's, it, and so they're priced out in a particular way that gives you an idea as to how to value certain upgrades Okay, makes during sense. a run. Yeah. yeah, it certainly makes sense. Now, I haven't beaten the game, right? I'm, I don't think I'm even at the level of where you're at in terms of like how much time you've invested but i will say that's this is probably one of my most favorite nintendo switch rpgs this year i mean it's been a pretty light year but this one's really really good i don't know about light i mean it did have the xenoblade remake but i would say this is definitely my favorite not just nintendo switch game this is my favorite game this year yeah just okay. like across the board everything this, yeah. this game is absolutely fantastic it is absolutely fantastic it is my number one pick so far and this is the game to beat yeah i mean and this is a year where xenoblade remake came out and i absolutely love that game but mm -hmm. it's it is a remake it is something that already existed so it's not like it was doing something new well it's... whereas hades is brand new right I, I mean it's not a remake it's a remaster but i get what you're yeah. saying Oh, it's a remaster with some extra bells and whistles too, because right, it does right. have the extra content mm -hmm. and some UI improvements. It, it's it's like a very well done remaster. But right. yeah, Hades, absolutely fantastic, just excellent, excellent stuff. Actually, th there are some things I didn't like is just how expensive and how long term it is to unlock the music, because you can purchase the music unlocks, but they yeah. cost diamonds, and diamonds are kind of precious, so. You could eventually, when you get to the to the end game stuff, or when you get to the halfway point in the game, you'll realize how easier it will be to get more diamonds and stuff. But that still, it still does take. It's not trivial, right? Yeah. There's other stuff that you want to buy before spending your diamonds on music, which is unfortunate. They should have used a different resource, probably just the regular gems. Right. I agree. To buy the music, I would have spent those gems in a heartbeat. But because it's diamonds, I want to use those diamonds for other stuff. And the soundtrack is pretty freaking good, so it's like it's kind of kind of stinks, right? Yeah, yeah, it does. And there's there's um there's uh or uh Orpheus, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, what's her name? The Wood Lady. The Wood Lady. She's made of wood. Yeah, she's like a tree. Oh, the one with Orpheus. Orpheus and her have a thing. Yes. Yes. Oh, her name. shoot. Yeah, um, I, I know who you're talking about, though. Euclidean. Euclidia. Uh, yeah. I, I don't remember her name, but I I know who you're yeah. talking about. Her. Um. Yeah. So. I didn't resolve their quest line yet, as far as I know, and I'm guessing. I'm hoping that when you resolve that you get a new song. I, I know I have a feeling that, that there's going to be a song, like a song that I haven't heard yet in the game soundtrack that is going to unlock when I resolve whatever that is, however that happens. Maybe it'll be like a duet or something like that. That's, that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, that's that'd be nice. For. That would be nice. Yeah. Yeah. It, fantastic game. Mm -hmm. So I finished that. I, I kind of just went crazy on that because that's a, that's a meaty game, right? 40 hours. Yeah, that's pretty beefy. Yeah. And then I 
played a little bit with the Super Mario Brothers 35. Yeah, how um, was that? It's fun. It's interesting. They don't explain anything at all. Kind of <laughs> like Tetris 99. They're like, go. Yeah. Do, do I, the I, thing. It is, it is kind of straightforward, though. You're just playing Mario 1 levels, but every time you complete the level, it's random. And then the enemies you're encountering is also random, and they can get flooded onto you if you're being attacked by other players. Okay. Kind of like in Tetris, where the blocks will flood you. Right. But you kind of want enemies, or at the very least, you want easy enemies to kill, because every time you kill an enemy, and depending on how you kill them, you'll get more time. You're, you're competing against a couple things. If you die, then that's it. That's the end of your run. Uh, so that includes dying from an enemy or dying from falling into a pit. If you run out of time, you'll also die. And that's the other way to lose. So you have to sort of balance between enemies, pitfalls, and the timer as like the three main ways that you're going to die. Yep. Uh, and you can collect coins, but the coins is really to just give you a random block that um, you have like a random block on the top left, and you just hit a button, and it's it's like a lottery, uh, like a slot machine. It'll spin a bit, kind of like Mario Kart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it'll give you a random power-up. It'll be like a star or a mushroom or a fire flower or something like that. And you want those power-ups because obviously uh, a mushroom or a fire flower is going to allow you to take a hit from an enemy and continue going on. Mm -hmm. So you do want to get coins, but collecting coins doesn't give you time. So you have to, you have, there's like a balance you have to do between uh, collecting coins, finishing levels fast, because when you finish a level and you hit the flag at the high point, you get more time. If you do combo kills on enemies, you get more time. If you get the star, forget about it. Just run into every single enemy, because every single enemy you get is going to build up more seconds on your clock. Mm -hmm. That's the most important part, is making sure your clock goes up as high as possible, because the later and later, uh, the more people get knocked out, and the longer the the session, the battle between when, when it's like top five, the top three, the top two, uh, when it gets to those kind of numbers, the timer really spins. A second is not a second. A second is like, is like five in-game seconds. So it goes by really, really fast, so it really starts to count down. Huh. How, how, uh, how good have you gotten? How high have you gotten? Uh, I think I did four. Four, I think, is the highest I've gotten so far. Okay. So not so high. I'm going to have to give it a shot just to see what it's all about. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely uh, jump in, play a few sessions, and then jump out. There's... No real reason to like play it for really long unless you're like really really good at it. And there's some people that are really good at it. And some yeah. people are just like hyper competitive as well, so they're just gonna want to keep keep playing yeah. until they get better and better and better. Yeah, it it's a cool it's a cool thing. Hey, it's free. It came with the the online thing, and it was something that I was not expecting. So right. you know you know what they should do next though. They should do like some sort of like Zelda kind of Zelda. Four swords squared thing or something like that. I don't know. Four to the power of three. Four what would that the, be? Four to the power of three. That's four cubes. It'd be sixty-four. Oh. Yeah. I, I believe that would be sixty-four. So. Well, four times four is sixteen. Sixteen times four is a is another number. Yeah, sixty-four. Okay, there yeah. we go. So they should do like Zelda sixty-four. 
They should call it just that. Zelda 64. Oh, that would confuse people. That would be great. That would be awesome. <laughs> Zelda 64. 64 links just all of them throwing boomerangs and shooting arrows and bombs oh. everywhere. That actually probably would be good. Maybe the, I mean, the, Zelda's, I think, 35th anniversary is next year. So maybe they're, they've got something oh. planned like that. Oh, I can only hope. I can only hope. There you go. If they don't do that, they should definitely do Metroid. Wait, is it? Wait, I, I think I might be confusing it. It might be Metroid next year. Oh, you know what? Then it should be Metroid 64 because it was never a Metroid game for the N64. Yeah, I, I gotta, be... I gotta look that up. I think it's Metroid that's the 35th anniversary. That would be so good, so so good if it was Metroid 64. Yeah. Yeah, online. Probably it would probably be speed runs, right? Because Metroid's all about the speed runs, so it would be something. It would probably be very similar. I can very easily see it being similar to Mario Thirty Five. You're speed running through environments, maybe uh, bosses doing a lot of boss rush type yeah, stuff as would, well. That would be pretty cool. Um, NES version eighty seven. So that would be in twenty twenty two. Yeah, not yet. Let me look up uh, Zelda. But yeah, I think I think those ideas would like just just to incorporate something similar would be awesome. Yeah. All right, and you know what? F Zero. Ah, oh, get out of here. Uh so yeah, Legend of Zelda on the NES was eighty six. So that would be next year. That would be next year. So next year will be Zelda sixty four, followed by uh, Metroid sixty four, and then you know what? They really should do. And F Zero, because if there's ever a game out there that would that would be a shoe in for like a massive multiplayer thing, it would be F Zero, because F Zero already has thirty cars on one track. I have a question: yeah. Is this mentioning of F Zero just like an attempt to just mention F Zero in every episode that we do, or I'm just I'm just curious, just curious. Hey, you know, it's it's a <laughs> Nintendo franchise that has been at uh, asleep for, at the wheel for forgotten. <laughs> Put cast aside. It's, it's not forgotten. Okay. Sakurai, it's it's not forgotten yet. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> All right. The other the other game that I've uh have now started to delve deep into is 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim. Oh yeah. You just I'm going you, you got that physically. I have it physically. I have it for the uh, PlayStation uh, and playing that. Uh, I really do hope they bring it to the Switch because the game is not taxing the hardware whatsoever. It can run on Switch perfectly fine, especially but compared to Hades. There is a more important, like, is it good? I mean, how, how far have you gotten into it? All right. Game is weird because <laughs> it's it's definitely weird. It's really cool, though, but it's weird because... It's fragmented like crazy. So when you're playing through the game, for the first like few hours, you're playing a bunch of fragmented segments. It's kind of like a, an, a slightly extended but tutorial, but it's giving you story. So mm -hmm. it's, it's, not, it's not pointless stuff. It's very, very relevant stuff. Once you complete that, you then go into like a menu system where you get to choose between three different modes of playing the game. There's the, um, I forgot what the story one is, but there's essentially a story mode where you're experiencing different 
different segments of the game's storyline mm-hmm. through the perspective of multiple characters, 13 characters. I haven't even gotten all 13 characters yet. I think I'm on eight or nine characters. And that's weird in and of itself because there's multiple branching paths in their story as you play it out. And uh, it depends on the decisions you're making when you're playing out the scenes that occur. And it's on a timeline as well, a sequencing of events. So you could go down a path where you unlock a certain sequence of story-based events, and then that ends that, that path. But there's other paths that you can explore, so you have to go back to the original scene and replay that, but making different decisions, and it encourages that. So it has that thing going, and these paths can deviate pretty, pretty big. And there's a reason why they deviate, and there's a reason why they're there. Uh, so there's that. Another mode is you can kind of replay. Um, it's it's like the I think they call it the analysis mode. It's kind of like looking at documentation and the codex of sorts to sort of re. It's like background information. Okay. At least that's how it looks like. I don't know what the full significance of it is yet. It does allow you to revisit scenes. More importantly, it plots out, I think, I think what it does, because it has two sections to it. The events section, I believe, plots out all the sequencing of events in linear order. So it shows you the order of time. Because when you're playing through the game, you're not doing it in chronological order. You're okay. doing stuff that's in the past, you're doing stuff that's in the future, you're doing stuff that's in the present, and it depends on which character, and characters will appear on multiple timelines. What? <laughs> yes. There's time travel is baked into the story. It's it's a important part of the storyline. Now, is it just is the story just jumping around, or is there actually like a certain character that is moving in time, like change, like changing time? All thirteen characters are labeled the protagonist. Okay, but are so there time travelers? Uh, some of them are bona fide time travelers, but I haven't I haven't figured that out yet because they haven't okay. explained it yet in the storyline. But okay. one of them accidentally travels with another time traveler into the present. Oh wow! So yeah, so there's definitely some time travel. I just wasn't sure if this the like the story itself was just kind of moving around, you know, time or whatever, or yeah, the actual the- characters are. Actually, it sounds like actual characters are moving around. The way the way the story is, it's basically you're watching watching an anime, like a really well done anime too, um, and and it's playing out uh, kind of like an anime, except you don't have any kind of dynamic camera angles or anything like that, because uh, you're always sh- seeing the characters on a side perspective for the most part, uh, and there is some some parts where there's some pretty awesome animation stuff going on but it it plays out like a scene like like you're watching a play in front of you it and that happens and in the sequence of how you uh watch these events unfurl is so disjointed it's like pulp fiction but instead of having like three different uh plots and three different timelines in pulp fiction this one's like 
I don't know, like 13 or 20 different timelines. It's crazy. That is crazy. It's all over the place. And you could pick you could pick and choose different characters. So once you unlock that mode, uh, the mode where you get to see everything, where you get to pick and choose which mode you want to play, if you want to focus purely on storyline stuff first, you can do that. And you can do that by by you can perhaps explore the entirety of the story of one character before you start delving into the storyline of another character. Some characters are locked out and you have to make progress in certain ways. The third mode of the game is the battle mode. That's when you are in the Sentinels, these big giant mechs, and you're battling the kaiju that are coming in and attacking everything. The kaiju slash tripod weird robot alien things. I don't know <laughs> what they are yet because they haven't really explained it, but it, it is, they call them kaiju, they call them tripods, uh, they call them a bunch of other stuff. There's also like movie references to like, because the present in that game is like 1984, 1985. Uh-huh. But it goes as, as far back as 1944. And it goes as far into the future as 2060. And it bounces around a lot. And it's it can be a little difficult to figure out when in time you are. And also there's like alternate reality type stuff in there as well, I think. <laughs> like like <laughs> uh, when you say alternate reality, you mean like, like Matrix type stuff or? Uh... I don't know yet. I don't know yet. It's, it's hard to okay. explain, but it, it's very, very... In, all I can say is very intriguing. I'm definitely looking at... Uh, very interested in finding out what... how it's going to play out and how it's going to continue. The combat stuff is somewhat simple-ish, but I, I'm at the very beginning, so I'm right. kind of expecting that. Uh, and it seems like they're gonna. it's going to get deeper and deeper the more and more I play. So I'm looking forward to the to the combat type stuff, but right now I've been... Because you get to choose between doing the combat section of the game, the story section of the game, or replaying, like, data logs and reviewing files, uh, I've been just focusing on the story stuff. Sounds like quite a bit going on in there. Now, it's, it's all... It, it's all, is it uh, subbed? I think we went over this before, though. Uh, subbed or dubbed or both? Dubbed. Okay. And subbed. Wow. Oh, wow. Yep. And the voice acting's real good across the board. It's, uh, you'll get familiar voice actors that were in Fire Emblem. I heard a few Fire Emblem voices uh, from there, so it was very recognizable. I'm like, oh, you're, you're uh, Annette or uh, such and such from mm -hmm. Fire Emblem. Yeah, Great. you would know, seeing that you put like 400 hours into that game. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it, it's turned out to be a really cool game. It's very different from so many other... I don't think I've ever played a game like this. That's good. So it's very different. That's good. Now, this is... Uh, I think it's an Atlas published game. Is it Vanillaware that makes it? Vanillaware makes it, yep. Yeah, so uh, it should be exclusive to PlayStation. So... Uh, no, not quite, because Atlas makes plenty of games for well, Nintendo. That's what I'm saying, and it should not be exclusive. Oh, not be, yeah. So, I agree. I, I don't know. Hopefully we get we get this on the Nintendo Switch land. Yep, Atlas, Atlas published. Yeah. Awesome. What else you got? 
Uh, that's kind of it for what I've been playing. All right, what cool. have you been playing? Oh, well, well, thank you for asking. Uh, I think about I think I mentioned this last time. Adam RPG. I might be I might be done with Adam RPG. It's just not just not doing it for me. It's not different enough. It's not you know the story is kind of boring to me. So I think I'm done. I might I might just for YouTube. I might just kind of tie a nice little bow on it just to end it. But yeah, I think I'm done. Just not. It's just not for me. Um, for the people who like Wasteland Two, Wasteland One, the original Fallout One and Two, uh, for those folks, this might be for them. It's just, just not for me. It is, it is turn-based. It's not a uh, real time with pause, which I definitely would not like. But yeah, I think I'm just, I'm just done. I'm over it. Um, been playing a lot of Hades. Not as much as you, obviously. I'm not that good. I don't know what it is with me. Maybe I just can't concentrate enough. I have no idea. I just don't like my time, I guess. I like to waste my time. Something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I've been playing Hades. I've been playing a lot of Minecraft Dungeons. I'm getting back into that, especially because my son's been wanting to play, so I've been playing a lot of that with him. I think I might get the uh, the most recent DLC that's come out. I know that there's more coming out, I think, in November or December, somewhere around yeah. there. But he, he just wants to explore different places, so I think we might... Might jump into the the jungle world and the uh, the winter wonderland or whatever they have there, um, but yeah, we get into it's pretty funny because I remember playing these types of games with my friends, um, you know, when Super Nintendo was out and all that stuff. But I remember playing those kind of co op games with them, and he is exhibiting the same things that I would do, you know, the arguments and and stuff like that. It's actually it's 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 pretty funny. Um, but one thing he does, which irks me, it irks me so much, and and it even irked me like when when I would play Diablo or even Torchlight or even Path of Exile. If I've ever if I'm ever playing with someone, you know we're we're doing the thing, we're doing the thing, we're grinding, we're playing the game. All of a sudden, they get a new piece of something, shiny, whatever it is, and they stop while you keep going, and they just look <laughs> at and they stop and admire what they just received. He does that to me all of the time. And I tell him, dude, you can't do that because I am in it to win it. I'm going through all the way and I'm doing it all by myself. I'm not supposed to be taking on all these guys by myself because obviously the difficulty ramps up, right? When you have two yeah. players and, you know, and at that point I get KO'd, um, you know, I'm waiting for a resurrection and he's still looking at his rare uh whatever uh robe that he just got and i'm dead just just explain it in uh christmas terms like you can't you can't open your presents yet you gotta no. wait until after we kill the enemies all right or yeah or just clear an area okay it's safe i'll protect you you can look at your common gear now he just likes <laughs> it's just no matter what it is he just likes looking at it and he's like dad is this better i'm like no it's terrible let's go it's terrible. It's awful. It's just, it's common gear. It's white, right? It's white gear, common gear. Yeah, yeah. dad. All right, let's go. Oh, <laughs> uh, but it's, it's just a fun experience um, playing great. that with him. It's all like purple though and like epic gear and a white yeah. dress. And oh, and then like, when he gets, you know, when he gets the unique stuff, he loses his ever-loving mind. It's great. Uh, but yeah, I've been playing a lot of that with him. I've also uh, got into uh, the early access. I, I bought into early access for Baldur's Gate three. 
Um, obviously, with the studio behind it, Larian Studios, this this is like right up my alley, right? So it's really heavily focused on Dungeons and Dragons 5e. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people have seen the gameplay and the trailers. And what early access provides is basically the like the first act, but with like riddled with bugs, <laughs> basically. Um, oh. Yeah, it's it's got it's got bugs, and, and they were very clear about that. Like you, you know, you go, here's the first act. It's very early. I want to say they're about a year or so out from their planned release date, which they haven't even told us. Um, so I they're they're way out. This is very very early. And yeah, there's there's some uh, some bugs. I've seen some um, in in conversations. I've seen duplicate characters. I've seen players falling through some things. Um, but in between all that stuff, the game is is actually pretty pretty fun. Uh, right now, I'm playing as a, a ranger. I've dubbed him Robin Hood. I'm very generic, uh, very generic ranger. I typically don't even play as rangers. I find them. Uh, kind of boring to be honest heresy. with you heresy so <laughs> so that's that's what i've started out as and, and right now i'm I'm really really early into it i'm like maybe two or three hours where i've seen people put like a stupid amount of hours into it so far um but right now I, i'm enjoying it and and to be honest i'm i don't even have like a gaming pc i i think my game my uh graphics card it probably has like two two gigs of uh ram it's it's like it's a very potato gaming PC. It is very very low end, um, but it was it was handling just fine. It really was, and the the settings say ultra. I, I don't know. I was I was playing in ultra settings, which is doesn't make any sense. I I, I did have to modify them a little bit to uh, to to get it a little bit more smooth, but otherwise it ran ran okay. It didn't. My PC didn't crash so. I think they got something though. I th- I really do. I really do think they have something in in there. And if you're a fan at all of Divinity, I think this this is just like this is what you what the next thing is, you know. So yeah, that is what I've been playing. Well, I'm I have some questions about Baldur's Gate three. Oh. I mean, so what's the combat like? Is it more? uh more in line uh can i expect something in line with uh divinity or is it, it it's a li- it's a little different um again they go by i've never played uh dungeons and dragons 5e but basically you have um a move action and i think they call it a uh is it no i think it's a move action bonus action so you can you can do a shove or you can do a kick or you can do an attack um or you can do a spell and and then you can move, or you can either or. So you can yeah. move and then do any one of those other things. Um, and that's basically it in terms of how combat works. So every character just move and do an action, do an action, and then move. Right, because I haven't, I haven't, I leveled up once. I, I really didn't level up. So um, as you level up, you can choose different feats and everything like that. So I'm not sure. Maybe different characters get different feats where they can perform an extra bonus action or uh, an extra move action. I'm not entirely sure how that's going to work out. Um, I would say the people who are more in tune with the D&D 5e, they may know a little bit better as, as to how the progression works um, with the certain classes. 
Um, for example, I'm in the Ranger class. I don't know what their progression is like in 5e. Um, so it, 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 it might depend on that. I don't know. So it's turn-based then. Oh, definitely. Yes. It's definitely turn-based. It's not real time with pause. It's, uh, very, very much turn-based. Yeah. yeah so, so that's different from Baldur's Gate 1 and 2 and, yeah. and the yeah. variant. You know, and I would say a lot of the Baldur's Gate nerds, um, not not me, but a lot of the people that are really passionate about Baldur's Gate, uh, especially Baldur's Gate one and two, the the original ones. There, um, this was uh, this is a little harder for them to swallow. Um, the fact that it's not real time with pause. Well, uh, I I prefer turn base. I mean, turn base just makes it gives it the tactical precision that you want. I agree. Because real time with pause, you just end up pausing it as if you were playing it as turn base. Right, right. And as I've mentioned before, real-time with pause on a console, I'm more of a console gamer to begin with. Um, real-time with pause on a console is an absolute nightmare. Um, but on a PC, it's obviously a little bit different. So that, that, that I don't know. And and, and to be honest, um, turn-based is more in line to what the real tabletop is like. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. You're, you're taking turns. So. And in addition to that... Um... The Baldur's Gate games had an issue with combat. I feel they had an issue with combat with melee or physical ranged characters versus spellcasters, where if you're playing someone that's melee or shooting arrows, it was pretty straightforward. You just click on something and it dies or you die. And there, there wasn't really that much else that you needed to do. But if you have this turn-based system, I'm... I'm guessing that they're going to give you a plethora of options yeah. where it, where just attacking them regular could be viable, but it may not be the the best action that you'd want to do given the scenario. Right. And, and I, and I do it a lot um, in my playthrough. Um, I was do, using the shove action a lot to get positional advantages, uh, kind of trying to lump people together. Cause I do have a, an additional party member who can cast an AOE attack. So I was trying to do a little bit of that uh, strategic type of stuff. Um, and they also added in a lot of environmental factors. Like, uh, again, if you're uh, uh, familiar with Divinity, they, they had that a lot as well. Um, so they, they, there's, there's a lot of variations in what you, used to, what you can do now compared to what Baldur's Gate was uh, before. I feel like, like you had mentioned, what Baldur's Gate was before, it was just kind of like you had said, where you're just trying to outlive, like, an encounter. There was really no strategy, I don't think. No, uh, not really. So, so, you mentioned the environmental stuff. Are we talking, like, Divinity, where you can electrify a pool of blood? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, there's, I'll like, there's kind of, like, that double, uh, I, I guess, that compounding... Yeah, the compounding of environmental factors. Uh, right in the very, very beginning, uh, you can blow up these... I don't even know what the heck they are, but it looks puts like a purple ooze on the floor. And if you run through it, you can get poisoned, but you can also light it on fire. Um, I mean, that's just the basic stuff, because that, that's all I have right now. Uh, but you can also dip your weaponry or your weapons in certain liquids or whatever. Again, I'm a ranger, so I, I was fire right next to me. I was able to dip my arrows into the fire and they became fire arrows whereas in divinity you would actually need to either make or buy or find them fire arrows where you couldn't yeah. you couldn't do that uh so there's a little bit of different stuff 
does when you blow something up and the fire goes away, does it leave smoke? And does the smoke obscure yeah. range attacks and whatnot in vision? I, I don't recall. I would assume that if they did that in Divinity, they would carry that over because, it, I mean, it makes sense, right? It does. Um, so I, I don't recall the fire going out. So, uh, I, I don't remember. I don't remember. I'm just hoping they keep as much of the divinity stuff. Cause obviously it's not doing the point system, which I love that point system in divinity. But if it's not doing that, I just hope it keeps as much of everything else that it can. Yeah. From divinity. Yeah. And you know, it, it, I've had a lot like with divinity, it had a lot of the, uh, the dice rolls done kind of behind the scenes. And I think having it out in front where people can kind of see it, it might be a little bit better because you know why you failed a certain thing. Um, and again, in Baldur's Gate, whereas in Divinity, you would fail something and you'd be like, you would have no idea why or how close you were to failing or, or whatever. So I think having the dice roll or whatever on, on screen is, is... What do you mean on screen? I don't... There's a dice roll on screen. I'm looking at screenshots. Yeah, there on certain on certain in certain instances, there's there's dice rolling. Uh, you see it a lot in conversation. Uh, basically, when you're trying to either um, like a speechcraft roll or a uh, barter roll or whatever, um, if you're trying to do any one of those special type of skills, uh, there can be a dice roll associated with it. All right, but it doesn't happen in combat. Like miss an attack or land in a critical or something like that, or it does do it in combat? No, as well? no, it does not. Do, it has I don't I don't remember seeing it in combat. I don't I don't think it does it in combat. No. Right. No, but uh, you can you can miss critically. I don't know what that means, but you can also hit critically. Obviously, I know what that means. I don't know what missing critically means. Uh, I, yep. I don't. Know. Okay. I have no idea. But um, yeah, um. I've only I'm only like maybe like I said two or three hours. The uh, the beginning story um, is, is cool. I love the mind flayer uh, as a as a boss. I think he's a cool looking boss, or oh, just the that enemy itself. So, yeah, it's uh, for such a prestigious game and studio. The uh, current user score on. Uh, and it has seven th over 7,000 user scores uh, or user reviews on uh, Steam. It's at 83% or 82%. I think, I think that will go up. Um, I mean... 83%. Considering it's early access, I don't even know why people are reviewing it. Well, if it's for sale, they can review it. So. No, no, I know, and, and, and I understand that, but I mean, you also have... As a consumer, you have to look at that a little bit more critically because, again, it's early access, and if you understand what early access is, you're 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 basically a beta tester. You pay to buy into the beta testing, so you have to go into that. Other than like, I don't, I don't even I don't even know what you could say is in terms of uh, being critically um, like being critical of a game in early access. And I, and I don't want to sound like I'm being a, like a, a Larian Studios rump swab. You know what I mean? I, I just think that, again, when you're, you're getting into early access, you're, you're beta testing. So things are going to change, and they can change dramatically. Yeah, and some people, they need to know that ahead of time, right? Especially in the, in the notion of it could change dramatically. They could like what they're currently playing, but there's 
more players complaining about what they're currently playing and then what they're currently playing, which they like, changes yeah. to something that they don't like. So there is also that possibility. So it's just a, a little bit of a buyer beware type thing. Right. So, yeah, in, in, in 83, I, I'd have to play a little bit more to, to agree or disagree with that. But, I mean, so far that seems maybe about right. You know, this this problems. There are problems. But I know I know Larian's not shy about admitting that either, so. Cool. Before I forget, uh, don't forget to visit our Discord, discord.switchrpg.com. Also, our socials, uh, twitter.com slash switchrpg. Uh, Facebook is, uh, you can find us on Facebook, switchrpg. Um, and YouTube, youtube.com slash switchrpg. All right, some some new game stuff. We have a new Kickstarter that kind of launched here. It looks like it's a it's a prequel, or actually, they say it's a prequel to a cult hit horror game, Camp Sunshine. I am not familiar with this game. I have not heard of this game. Um, but again, this is a Kickstarter, and uh, their their goal is just under twenty six thousand, and they're at twelve thousand right now. And the Kickstarter just just hit today. I think it just hit today. Well, it's got 28 days to go, so... I, I'm not sure if they're 30-day Kickstarter. I have yeah. no idea. Okay. All right, so uh, basically, Sunshine Manor is the prequel to Camp Sunshine, a love letter to retro gaming and classic 1980s horror films. The game takes inspiration from movies such as From Beyond, Friday the 13th, and Nightmare on Elm Street, while mixing gameplay mechanics from such as the beloved and long-running Legend of Zelda, Resident Evil, and Silent Hill. Um, I will say it looks nothing like Resident Evil or Silent Hill, um, but maybe Legend of Zelda. It is a uh, 8-bit 8 8 pixel art, top-down type of game. Uh, it looks... Um, it looks more like Earthbound. Yeah, I would say very much more like Earthbound than it does uh, Zelda. Um, like Mother One. Yeah. Yep. And uh, it's I'm... not. They can't say it's eight bit when they're using the high resolution, really high resolution sprites on certain cutscenes, and like, yeah, that's not eight bit when you're doing stuff like that. Sorry. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just try also trying to find out what type of combat system this is. Are you seeing anything like that? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm not seeing combat. I'm seeing some pushy, puzzly stuff. I don't know. Um, I guess you're playing a girl, and she has... I think she casts spells? It looks like she has, like, this purple uh, rune circle spell around her, and that kind of vaporized a few enemies. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's your combat? Yeah, so... Oh, she yeah. also shot uh, this these electrical balls... Uh, around her so okay so it's some sort of an maybe an action action -y, uh type of yeah it's not clear but if i had to guess it would be action yeah hmm. yeah and they have all sorts of like uh kickstarter type of stuff uh with uh with some of their rewards looks like they're combining some of their their earlier releases along with this new release so yeah this game is called well, the Kickstarter is called Sunshine Manor, a retro horror 
game. I was pretty certain I read that it was an RPG somewhere. <laughs> I'm not seeing it right now. Oh boy. Yeah, I'm I'm not seeing it right now. Great. Fantastic. Anyway. You're not hearing that, are you? What's that? Are you hearing that? No. No, I am not hearing that. Okay, I don't know why it's triggering. That's weird. Moving on. Okay, yes, certainly. Moving on. The Magister, a tactic-style card battler RPG announced for the Switch, and it's got a new trailer. Uh, so the Magister is a murder mystery card battle battler RPG. Build and customize your deck to fight in battles or use the tactical diplomacy to pacify those who stand in your way. Gather clues and discover, discover motives as you investigate the death of your predecessor and unmask the guilty culprits. What are your thoughts on this? Are you, are you, are you, uh, are you watching this? Yeah. Uh, mm, looks interesting. I'm trying to see. All right. So they got uh, a, I guess when you enter combat, there's a grid system. So yep. I'm already a, a big fan of that. It looks like it's turn-based combat. They got oh, a lot of weird card stuff going on on the right-hand side of the screen. It looks like the uh, the battles take place as you are in place, right? Or am I not seeing that? Or am I seeing that wrong? Uh, that part, I don't know, because you're definitely taking turns. So maybe maybe there's phases to your turns, uh, or phases to the combat where, all right, it's the movement phase, then it's the player cards phase or something like that. I'm not too too certain, but it, it's different. Yeah, um, I think and it's fairly interesting, is, actually. Yeah, the artwork isn't bad. It's just it's just odd because the characters, how they're drawn, is like side perspective. And then the vantage point of the world is top, completely top down. Completely top down, yeah. But your character is kind of almost isometric, you know, kind of like at an angle. Barely, barely isometric. I'd say more side scroll than anything else. So someone messed up real hard on the <laughs> the presentation of the characters relative to the world, or I think that was done. That was world. done purposely. Uh, I don't think they messed that up. I think that most of them. <laughs> it doesn't look right. <laughs> oh man! Uh, but yeah, the battles take place with um, they're kind of like yeah you you had mentioned turns, uh, but you're using using the cards though, right? Is that correct? It looks like you're using the cards. Yeah, yeah. You have cards on the right hand side of your screen. There's, I don't know. There's some diamond and blue bar stuff on the very top. Part. Uh, there's cards on the right hand side. There's this other thing. There, there's stuff going on in here. So there's some intrigue. And there's also, by the way, there's some parts of the levels where the perspective is correct relative to the character. And then there's some areas in the world where it's not. It's completely top down. So they, ha they have inc lots of inconsistencies on the perspective of the artwork. Right. So. We'll have to see how uh, that plays out. But it's the art ain't bad. It, the art the art looks fine. Like uh, it doesn't look like bad art. It just looks like weird perspective all over the place. It, yeah. it, and it does look interesting. As you yeah. 
It looks like the cards cost you crowns. Is that what I see there? The crowns may be the currency, and you can only use certain cards based on your turn, and you can only have, like, you have so many crowns per turn. And so that limits you what cards you can use. Yeah. And it, it does have, uh, it leans heavily on the adventure, puzzle solving adventure style yeah. stuff. So it does lean heavily on that too. Cool. And I don't think they, I think it was just a trailer. I don't think they have a date for that quite yet. Yeah, I don't think there's a date for that. All right, cool. That is called the Magister. Excellent. Uh, so yeah, yeah, another. Uh, I don't think this is a new announcement. I think the uh, what what's new on this is the actual release date. Sword of the Necromancer confirmed for December release on the Switch. Jandusoft uh, and Grimorio Game of uh, Grimorio of Games have provided an update on Sword of the Necromancer, a dungeon crawler action RPG with roguelike elements. It's now confirmed that the title will be released in December. Uh, so yes, Sword of the Necromancer, what would you do to bring back someone you love? Sword of the Necromancer is a dungeon crawler action RPG with roguelike elements where you can revive your defeated enemies to make them fight alongside you. Turn your foes into allies using forbidden powers of the Sword of the Necromancer and help Tama reach the dungeon's depths in order to gain enough power to bring back Coco back from the dead. So I'm guessing Coco is the one, the one you love. Have you have you seen any of this? Yeah. So at first I was excited because I thought this was related to Crypt of the Necrodancer. It is not. It yeah, is not. it's not. Has nothing to do with it. Um, <laughs> I'm looking at the gameplay. I mean, it, it looks all right, but I, it also looks like a game that I've played many, many times. Yeah, it, it's a little bit of a kind of your uh, your generic action um, uh, RPG uh, type of deal. Um, kind of your top-down perspective. Um, more more isometric. Uh, maybe not isometric. Your zelda S. Yeah, isometric. Yeah. Okay. Zelda's isometric. It's yeah. like I literally just played a game like this called Hades. <laughs> and yeah. It, it, right, Hades, uh, roguelike, isometric, space combat. Yep. Like I, I just played a game like that, and Hades definitely does some excellent stuff and does some unique stuff. And this game probably does some unique things here and there, but I just played Hades, and I want <laughs> more Hades. So. Oh yeah, in in comparative, like how much will this be compared to Hades, which may be a better experience? I'm not entirely sure. Uh, I'd have to look. I don't have a price on this unless it's on the eShop already. I mean, have to look at that. But I don't know. It's it's again. It's your isometric angle. Um, it looks like your buttons are mapped to certain moves or spells. Um, yeah, I don't know. The art style is okay. It's it's not it's not um terrible. It's got multiplayer, Doesn't and have... it's got. And it has that aspect of resurrecting your enemies to fight alongside you. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. See if I can look up Sword of the. Come on. Not here. Okay. So I can't tell you how much it is. Love to, but I can't. Uh, Maybe I can. 
Oh, maybe you can. I don't know what that means. You have some sort of uh, yeah. spe special uh, ability. No, there's no... You can play uh, a demo of it on Steam, but it is not uh, for sale, so I have no idea what the price of it is going to be. Yeah, so we can't even... We have no guesses. It says it's going to come out in December. Soon. Soon. Be here soon. All right, I thought that I saw this was coming to the Switch this next thing. Oh, it is. Okay. 1940s pixel RPG. Peckham. Wait, what am I reading here? I can't even read this. Peckhamenosa? Peckhamenosa? I don't know. You got it. That's it. All right. Peckhamenosa goes noir in early 2021. So Portuguese developer um, Serial Games is joined by Madrid-based Badland Publishing to release Detective Noir Action RPG Peckhamenosa. Come on, guys. Help help us out here. Peckhamenosa. <laughs> I'm going to spell it out for you guys. P-E-C-A-M-I-N-O-S-A. Peckhamenosa. I don't know why I'm having trouble with that. Anyway, players take on the role of former cop and down-on-his-luck drunk John Souza, who is one day visited by ghost of mob boss Charlie Two Angels and tasked with helping him capture his former associates in a bid to get Charlie into heaven. Along the way, players will have to deal with thieves, gangsters, and members of the occult. Have you seen any gameplay on this yet, though? That's yes, I'm, I am looking at gameplay right now. And it's not what I was expecting. What does that mean? Uh, so it's an isometric action game. Uh, so yeah, um, isometric. I would say like Diablo-y meets um. The Grand Theft Auto 1 and 2-esque oh, type okay. of thing, but it's, it's not as pulled back perspective. Okay. Um, so you could you are exploring around. Um, let's see. I see the gameplay trailer here. All right. You're going into a casino. You can do some gambling. There's a lot of, like, talking to people. Oh, you can equip stuff. Uh, so you can have a hat. Tie. Obviously, uh, you're you're a detective in the forties. You're that's what you're gonna want to do. Your police jacket and police pants. Some some shoes. <laughs> uh, quick access inventory. What makes it police pants? By the way, I'm just curious. Uh, let's see. It has zero luck, <laughs> zero intel, zero endurance, and zero four. Um, maybe that's fortitude. Fortitude. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas your police jacket does give you plus one fortitude. Nice. Right. Your the red tie gives you plus two luck. Okay. And it looks like some of the um they call it life, uh, but basically your luck intelligence oh I just lost it. Um luck intelligence force. That's what you're looking at. It's force and endurance. So it kinda it's almost like the uh, the what the D and D does as far as the lawful good evil that sort of uh, aspect there. So, oh, as, 
probably uh, because you're shooting guns, so you can't use strength. Right. So force is like uh, accuracy or something. I it looks good. Uh, the combat is a twin stick shooter. Yeah. That's what that's what it looks like. Yep. And oh, it's uh, it's faster paced than I thought it would be. Yeah, I was looking at a, a boss fight where this is just like fire everywhere. It looks yeah. kind of interesting. Yeah, it it actually does look interesting. Like it, it's clearly heavy on the role playing element. And that's exciting. And some, and some of the uh, sprite work is is decent. Yeah, yeah. It I would definitely pay attention to this because uh, it looks different and it's consistent in how it presents itself. And it's also um, it looks like it's pretty deep. Uh, you got multiple um, dialogue tree stuff going on as well, so it's got a whole lot of. Uh, Interesting elements going for it. Yeah, the only thing I'm not interested in is the name. For whatever reason. That's the name of the town, so... I was just having a problem with. Uh, just so you're aware, Pekka Minosa, um, I don't think... I, it might be in Portuguese. Uh, means sinful. Oh, there you go. There you go. Okay. Glad, glad we're all on the same page. That is hey. gonna do it. <laughs> That's gonna do it for new game announcements. That's just me being Portuguese, okay? Did you look at the the dude's name? <laughs> it's John Souza. John right? Souza, brilliant. I love John it. Souza. Um, again, you and I are, we're both Portuguese, right? Yeah. I don't know if you're one hundred percent. I am. I am one hundred percent. All right, so I... we're both one hundred percent Portuguese, and John Souza just sounds like every Portuguese person. That we've probably met. Uh, that's just a very, very common, common name. <laughs> it's it's the perfect name. It's the perfect name for for a Portuguese detective. Well, uh, the yeah, the developers are Portuguese, so it's this yeah. just works. All right, that's going to do it for new game announcements. Now, quick hit news before we get into the meat and potatoes of this whole episode: Atelier Riza will not be censored in the West. Uh, says, oh. Ko- says Koei Tecmo. Great. So. Um, I know that Japan, they 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 tend to do that uh, quite a bit, um, and 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 this this came out in a tweet um, message to to fans. Uh, this is Koei Tecmo America. Despite the differences in Atelier Riser two promotional uh, videos recently shown at TGS, the Tokyo Game Show, we want to assure fans that the game itself will not be censored in the West. We hope everyone is looking forward to the upcoming adventure. Uh, so basically, um, in Japan, they have very, very, very strict rules as to what they can show and cannot show. Um, so yeah, they're basically coming out and telling us that we are not getting censored at all. They also showed a uh, screenshot comparison. Oh yes, and yes, all, yes. Uh, yeah. And all it is is just, um, well, it, it's quite revealing clothing, but it's nothing that's more revealing than what uh, a swimsuit. That right. you'd see in the beach would reveal. Right. Uh, so, for example, like you were saying, um, in in the uh, Western version, it's basically, it looks like it's got smoke covering the woman's lower half. Yep. And in the, in the, the version that hopefully we'll be getting, like they said they were going to get, uh, like you had mentioned, it looks like just basically like a swimsuit. Yeah, and that, is it me or is that smoke also obscuring the UI below it? 
It really is. Yeah, it, it definitely is. Maybe that, yeah. That's bad implementation of uh, of censorship because that's that is literally getting in the way of gameplay. Yeah, it definitely is. So yeah, that is for Atelier Riser Two, which I know a lot of people are very very interested in. Um, I I think I think even Koei Tecmo. I want to say I read it somewhere that even they're surprised as to how um the reception they're getting with this Atelier Rise game, which is why they created it or yeah. they're making a second one. I, I recommended that game to my friend and he got it. He absolutely loves it. That's loves great. the first one. Yeah. And and you can play them out of order. I mean Atelier Ryza has nothing to do with uh, any of the other Atelier games. I know I know that's always a question people people ask if they know that there have been other Atelier games. All right, cool. Monster Hunter Rise has been in development for four years. Um, and I think we've mentioned this in the past. Monster Hunter World uh, Switch was never explored. Um, so, and I don't think we're ever going to get it for the Switch. But what we do have is Monster Hunter Rise. And this was by Eurogamer. Eurogamer has managed to scoop an exclusive interview with Monster Hunter series producer Ryozo uh Moto and Monster Hunter Rise director Yasunori Ichinosi. Uh, during the interview, it is confirmed by Mr. Tu... I gotta get better with these. I'm gonna do it. Uh, Mr. Tsujimoto. Uh, yeah. the Okay. <laughs> that the impressive-looking Nintendo Switch exclusive has been in development for, at Capcom for four years. The development started on the Switch title before Monster Hunter World was created, which is actually pretty interesting. Um, I thought it would be the other way around. Okay. Um, well, Monster Hunter World was also in development for quite some time. So I think it was uh, probably more so that they weren't uh, fully, fully comfortable with uh, the world engine. Uh, and they were probably more focused on getting that RE engine to work on the Switch. Okay. Uh, which caused the deviation uh, or the separation. And once again, I don't know how much of the RE engine, if at all, is used in World. But there is a very clear difference that that what World is run on and what uh, Rise is one running on is definitely clearly different. Yeah, definitely different. Um, but... What he said is that they really didn't explore whether Monster Hunter World would work on the Switch, as he says that they treat each title as its own concept. He went on to say that you could not ignore the hardware you're releasing it on when you design the game, um, which obviously makes total sense. He's, but basically what he's saying is that Monster Hunter World cannot run effectively on the Switch, or at least its current iteration. Oh, it, it could. It's just, yeah, the current, the way you see it running on consoles, it's probably not going to run that well, and that well on the Switch without major, major sacrifices. Yeah. And would it be worth those sacrifices? Or they made a game from the ground up for the Switch instead of doing a port. This is not a port. This is a game from the ground up, so it's going to run better. Right. It's meant yeah. to run better. Yeah. So this is the right. They made absolutely the right decision. Yeah. Absolutely. This is a great Monster Hunter decision. The Monster Hunter movie was not a good decision. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not. That was a terrible decision. <laughs> All right. 
Australian Ratings Board says Immortals Phoenix Rising has in-game purchases. So not only does it have kind of a wonky name that I know you don't like, um, we're also going to be dealing with Ubisoft and their constant feeding us of optional quotations, um, microtransactions. Uh, basically, it's what this article says, this is on My Nintendo News, they're stating that the uh, transa microtransactions are for clothing, weapons, and items. Now, are these just skins for those things, or nah. what, are, what are we dealing with here? We're going to get the full get the full Ubisoft service, the banquet galore. We're going to get EXP boost. We're going to get, you know, epic legendary items, what have you. That's all fine by me. I never buy these uh, microtransaction things anyway, so it's not going to it's not going to bother me. Remember, DLC for Breath of the Wild also had like extra items and stuff like that alongside it. Uh, so sometimes just by the way you handle microtransactions can just make a big difference. For me, I'm more comfortable with bigger DLC pack, like a full package, like, yeah. like a expansion of sorts. I'm way more accepting of that than nic being nickel and dimed with uh, little tiny trinkets and, and items and gear and stuff like that. That's right. stuff. And that and that's what you're going to be dealing with here. Um, I I think even if you buy the the ultimate edition, because there are like many iterations of this, as again as Ubisoft does, um, you're still going to have to buy microtransactions for certain things. Yeah. Um, which I, again, this is a single player game. I, I don't understand why anyone. Again, this is just me talking. Uh, where my character, I really could care less. Uh, what it looks like. But in a single-player game, even less so. <laughs> like, well, it's it's fine, right? Like, as long as they don't, uh, as long as it doesn't get in the way of the single-player experience, where it feels like a grind until you get the next item, and they're gating that type of pro progress, or they're slowing down your progress. As long as they don't. Wasn't there a game that did that though? I want to say Shadow was... uh, Mordor or Shadow. It. Yeah, that one did it. Um, but it's it's it ties into the balance. As long as they're not getting in my way while playing it, then I'll be fine with it. There, it's not going to bother me, and it's fine. Uh, what if I absolutely love this game, and I really do like this cosmetic thing, or this thing that is more than just cosmetic? It not only does it look cool, but it also is one of the better weapons to get. Like I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah. It's optional. I don't have to, right? I know that there's a trade-off, right? I have to actually give money in order to get this thing. So it's and it's single player, so it's not hurting anyone. Else. Yeah, it's not hurting anyone but yourself, really. Yeah, that's if it truly is. I don't know. But it's, I don't know. it's not even hurting because it's it's my choice. It's up to me whether I want to get that or not. The only time that it does hurt is, like I said, in the balance. If the balance of the game forces feels like it's forcing players to buy these microtransactions off, then that's a no-go. You, right. you definitely don't insert these things uh, uh, to interfere with gameplay. Definitely don't do that. Yeah, that's no good. Yeah, I just hope they're not gating things at all. Ah, it just feels so sleazy. Could be. It's, it definitely opens up the, the, the Pandora's box for something right. like that. 
All right. Uh, next, we have Skies of Arcadia developer says remaster or sequel depends on Sega. Have you played Skies of Arcadia? You you skipped over the the Yeast 9 thing. Oh, why would I do such a thing? We'll get back to the Skies of Arcadia. Amazon US list. <laughs> um, Yeast 9 Monstrum Knox Switch release date as June 30th, 2021. Um, I, my, I am very much excited for this game. Yeah, me um, too. And, uh, the fact that we still have to wait a little bit longer kind of stinks. This game is it, out, right? For other, uh, consoles or no? Um, I that, was. I don't know. It might be a simultaneous. I'm not entirely sure, but I mean, June. So, well. Oof. Amazon has it has uh, the PS4 version listed uh, February second, twenty twenty one. I think that's more, yeah, in line to what it really is for PlayStation version, and we are getting a delayed, delayed version. But we are getting this nice little uh, special, you know, mini art book and all that stuff. We are getting, a, yeah, we're getting a little, little extras. Always nice. I think NAS. Not I think I know. NAS America does that a lot. They always like to add little little goodies like this, which is awesome. I love that. Because right. that's just what I do. I collect things. Well, it's, it's good to know that there's a potential solid date on yeah. a potentially really good uh, Yeast game. And as you've mentioned before, um, Yeast games are generally solid games. Um, yep. So, yeah. And this looks... More promising than any other yeast game that has come before it. Yeah, I agree. I, I think the um, the the previous ones were always very safe, uh, and I think this one's taking a little bit. It's, it's it feels a little different. Looks and feels different. It's darker. I like it. It's grittier. It's it's in a prison city thing. It's great. <laughs> it's awesome. It's awesome. It's in a prison yeah. city. <laughs> Everyone's sad. It's great. <laughs> it's our inner souls. Uh, oh, right. Yeah, it's everyone's frame of mind right now. All right. Back to what I was saying before you rudely interrupted me. Skies of Arcadia developer says remaster or sequel depends on Sega, as he's not working on SOA related games, which is in quotation SOA means Sega of America, I think. <laughs> really Sky, Skies of Arcadia, that's what I said. Oh, geez. How stupid am I? <laughs> wow. Way to correct me in front of everyone. As he's not working on Skies of Arcadia-related games, in quotes. I knew that. Sega of America. What a dummy. Um. Anyway, uh, believe it or not, um, what do we got? Believe it or not, but it's now been 20 years since Sega's JRPG Skies of Arcadia uh, re was released on the Dreamcast. It was followed up by the GameCube version, Skies of Arcadia Legends, in 2002. Um, so basically, the um, Kenji Hirutu, considered to be one of the main devs on the original release, took the anniversary as an opportunity to inform fans that it depends on Sega, not himself, if, you want, if they want an HD remaster or sequel, as he's no longer with, working on SOA, Skies of Arcadia-related games. Um, interestingly, and, uh, though, he is working on something related to Skies of Arcadia, just not in that game. Just not that game. 
So yeah, basically he put the tweet out. Happy 20th anniversary to uh, of Skies of Arcadia. I know that many guys want HD re- HD remaster or sequel, but unfortunately it depends on Sega. I am not working uh working for SOA related games, but I've been working something related to SOA. Uh, it may be a small change, but not zero. We are changing something. Really kind of cryptic a little bit there. Yeah. Um, what I'm wondering is if we have uh, kind of like the the uh, Aiden Chronicles situation. Um, where uh, It doesn't seem like that. No. I mean, it says right there, it may be a small change, but not zero. Right, so it's the fact that he says it's a, it's above zero. It's better than zero, so it's better than nothing. Yeah, right? that's kind of what it says to me. So I don't know. It's probably going to be like a poster or like an art book or <laughs> it's small, right? It's the twentieth yeah. anniversary and whatever it is that he's working on, it's like so small and minute, or it's probably just a side project. Uh, that probably has like uh, some other game where he's allowed to use like an appearance, right? Like like a character, maybe like some gotcha game he's working on, okay. and and you can one of the characters that you could get is one of the Skies of Arcadia characters or something like that. Man, I just I I went from zero to sixty like so fast. I was thinking Aiden Chronicles. All right. No, Sega no. doesn't want to work with him. He's going to do something like Suikoden did and Aiden Chronicles did. He's just going to be doing his own dang thing. Kickstarter up next month. Get on the hype train. But apparently, you shot it all down. Nah, it, it says right there, it's not even a game. So it's it's something super small, minuscule, and he's asking fans to... Uh, to port beg or or remaster beg. Yeah, kind of yeah. Thing. He's basically saying if you want Skies of Arcadia, you got to talk to Sega. Uh, I mean, I have Skies of Arcadia Legends. I played and beat that game. Uh, it's it's not a game I think needs a HD remaster because okay. it will not age well. It's definitely one of those older RPGs that is not going to age well. It was a fun experience, but oh man, was it slow. Slow, slow, slow. Very slow. Then maybe a sequel would be better off? Oh yeah. I would definitely like a sequel because the world itself uh, was cool. right? Putting together that crew, you got your little airships, you're flying around, you got airship battle system, you got character battle system. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's some good stuff there. But uh, yeah, they got uh, to remake. If they remake the original, I'm okay with that. Like a Trials of Mana type of situation? Yeah, like a major remake, not something trivial. Yeah. So remaster, I would say, yeah. yeah. And and even if if it's for people who have never played the original and there's a remaster, I would still say, don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> don't do, you can pass on it it's not that good oh man that's just that's just too bad it, I, it, i'm only saying it's not that good because if you play it in modern days it's not going to be a good experience yeah it just but, hasn't hasn't aged well i mean i was just again it's one of sega's best rpgs i'll, I'll just go out and say it 
okay? Uh, sure, but I would I would say that the Fantasy Star series is way better. Yeah, they're definitely long long running. That's for sure. Yeah. But yeah, okay. Well, thanks for uh, ruining my night. Okay, so Hyrule Warriors. Nintendo had a treehouse. Let's just say that. Okay, they had a treehouse event. Um, they showed a lot of Pikmin three. A lot, like a lot of Pikmin three. Like if you didn't know anything about Pikmin three, you know a lot about it now. They they've added tons of different stuff to it, tons of different modes and whatnot. I was really hoping for more than just the two games, but that's all we got. So we got Pikmin three, and then we got a lot of Hyrule Warriors: Age of Calamity. Actually, oh, yeah. did it was it a lot though? It it went by really fast. I don't know if it was a lot. It was like we, over twenty minutes. Wow. Okay, so it was a decent amount, but we got a lot of new new information, right? Uh, so uh, basically, what they showed us, they showed a lot of uh, a lot of Urbosa. They showed us a little bit more of uh, Impa, which she is still awesome. And um, yep. so basically, one of the major things that a lot of people got out of this is that your weapons don't break, <laughs> which is a, a good thing, right? Because if they kept breaking in this, this it would just be. It would be unplayable. I'm sorry. You just have to continue to get weapons fighting a thousand enemies. It would just be a mess. Uh, what I'm wondering, though, is in the hundred years, did weapon making get worse? Is that why they break in Breath of the Wild? Like, what happened in the hundred... Honestly, what happened in the hundred years? Why do they keep breaking? They're, they're weapons that were already made and they're a hundred years old. So oh, of course Makes sense now. Make, dude, you are hitting me with facts. I, uh, I enjoyed the weapon breaking system. I think it was brilliant. Whatever. We're not we're not gonna get into that that part of the discussion. Um but yeah, they showed off a lot of Urbosa. They showed off a lot of uh some kind of like combo attacks that you can do, whether it was with Urbosa or Impa. Uh, they took they took the the literal assets of Breath of the Wild in and put it into this game. You're in, I mean, when they're showing the Urbosa thing, you're in, uh, what was that town? Uh, Gerudo? Gerudo Village? Gerudo I, Town? I know what you're talking about, but basically it's it's not, like, dilapidated, though, is it? Right. It's pretty much a one-to-one, almost one-to-one, like... Oh, you're talking it, to Urbosa's main, main town. That town, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's one-to-one. Yeah, it... Well, I think one area might be a little bit different, but... Or some areas might be subtly different, just to just to be expanded because it looks a little bit bigger to fit more enemies, obviously for mm-hmm. for a Warriors game. But yeah, it they they like matched it. It's a match. Like I, I recognize everything. I'm like, oh yeah, if you turn that direction, there should be the little water thing and the yep. yeah. It's, it's like it's all there. It's all there. Yep. It, it, and it even goes down to the map of Hyrule, which is which is relatively close to what you have in Breath of the Wild. Um, even the look, the look of it, like everything, everything yeah. is there. I am so excited for this. And, so, and, it, and it's weird, right? Like this is like, I've never been into, uh, these types of games, right? The Misu games. Um, but this just feels, and obviously looks so different than a lot of the other ones. Yeah. Um, it does. But, and, uh, so they, they showed up some of the combat stuff and, and the gear, uh, they, they do actually show off a decent amount. So there's a, an experience system, so you are going to level up. Uh, you do get to change up your gear and equipment. 
there is a crafting of sorts system where you can enhance your you're going to get loot dropped and you're going to be able to get like a whole bunch of different swords and shields and whatnot and you're mm-hmm. going to be able to like take other swords or weapons and sort of use them to enhance the level of some other weapons so you can level up your weapons uh and your gear uh you're playing as multiple characters all at the all at the same time so when you're not playing as urbosa or when you are playing as urbosa link and zelda are kind of running around but i'm guessing you can hit a button uh that's my guess to switch uh it doesn't say what the button is but you can essentially change the character so they change from urbosa to zelda then Mm -hmm. from zelda to link to urbosa so you can change up your characters midway through these levels and these levels are they're not small either. They're like big sections of the environment. Yeah. Really big. Yeah, I'm just I'm just watching gameplay and um the, they have uh Korok seeds are back now. I don't know. <laughs> I'm I'm not sure what um as to what detail they'll be in. I know you, they found one in, in the gameplay. I don't remember if they told us like if we find all of them, like do we get something uh, i'm not entirely sure i, I don't want to know I'm i don't just glad it's there i'm glad <laughs> I'm um and then also link had a uh, was it i think it was link he had a tiny guardian robot following him did you notice that uh yes i did yeah there's uh some weird shenanigany type technology technological things which is yeah great. so i mean in breath of the wild we're just so used to these guardians being um enemies right uh whereas in this one obviously it's 100 years prior that you know this they they did in fact have them on their side so again it's just a cool cool aspect to all these things i think uh zelda even had control of a bigger guardian at at some point um but yeah yeah i think i think a lot more people are excited about this and this just came out of nowhere and i'm so surprised and i think they are too that this didn't come out get like no one no one knew this was coming. I mean, they just came out with it, and it was just a surprise to everyone. Yeah, uh, at, at the point in the video I'm looking at, it's they're going over the uh, the upgrade system for weapons. So when you're on the the main map view, you can do some various enhancement type stuff. I also get the feeling they might have explained it during the the treehouse event, but I get the feeling that things are happening on the map that is in real time. So when you're in one section of the world battling enemies, the, the, there's going to be fo- enemy forces that are going to move or, or change the state of the world map. They're going to continuously move through. So you have to be cognizant of fending off multiple, this battle, this, this, this war that's happening across multiple fronts, and yeah. they're all gonna be happening in real time. So there's, I'm getting the feeling that there's going to be uh, some degree of consideration for where you need to divvy up your time. Yeah, and and I think that's pretty much uh, across the board with a, a lot of these warrior games where where things are happening ev- kind of everywhere, really. Yeah. And uh, you have to kind of manage that. It gets a little chaotic at times, but I'm wondering how they're going to manage it with with this iteration. That that sounds. I I really like uh, gameplay elements like that. That sounds exciting to me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh boy, another one to look forward to. That's for sure. 
All right, Rumorland. We got nothing for Rumorland? What? Eh, nothing. All right. Let's quickly go over the uh, upcoming RPGs, and then we're going to get into our main topic. Um, we're getting a little deep into our uh, episode here, so let, let's quickly uh, go over this here. Today is October 8th. We're going to go a week or so ahead. Let me see. Let me see. Do, do, do. Uh, Ghost of a Tale, um, $24.99. Uh, Ghost of a Tale is a kind of a port over. Um, I think, I'm not sure what it was on before. Um, but basically, you're, you're, it's kind of like a stealth RPG. You're basically a mouse. And Ghost of a Tale follows a courageous minstrel mouse named Tilo on a perilous quest to escape the dungeon's dwindling heights keep and discover the fate of his true love, Merim. Uh, set in a medieval world where rats rule over all other creatures. Ghost of a Tale weaves an epic yet intimate story combining elements of a classic adventure, action RPG, and exploration with a rich and highly immersive visual style. So yeah, yeah I, I like the visual style of this, without a doubt. And, and actually, I've never played it, but I've seen people play it. Uh, I like a lot of the stealth mechanics in it. Um, you know, it takes, it takes into consideration light and dark, uh, sort of stuff like if you're in the daylight that sort of stuff um but yeah as, as far as what it's been rated i have i have no no clue on that uh you may have a better understanding on that i'm not I sure am looking it up right now because wow this game looks good it looks visually very impressive yeah all right so on steam ooh. The user reviews are 91-ish percent, which is real good. Metacritic, it's at a 75, which is also really, uh, it's definitely in a good, good territory. I don't see how this would be an RPG, but it's listed there as a genre, so action, adventure, stealth, RPG. Yeah, there's, uh, there's definitely a leveling system. I... I don't really remember, like, I'd have to look up some uh, video gameplay. I don't really remember how how that plays into things, but, but it's definitely an RPG. Wow, this is a, a good-looking game. It, it is It is a good-looking game, and hopefully it's been handled with care with the port over. I'm not sure what it looks like on the Switch. You know, you know any game with rats, and mice, uh, <laughs> you know, rodents, they, they are my spirit animals, so. Uh, rodents I, are? Yeah, rodents oh, are? Yeah. I'm a rat, man. I'm oh, totally okay. a rat. I'm like full rat. If there's ever a spirit animal, <laughs> that's me. I'm a rat. All right. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Like, this has my name written all over it. I am totally digging what I'm seeing here. Oh, yeah, I can, I can hear it, too. <laughs> Yeah, sorry about that. You're, you're jamming it. All right, cool. Uh, so that is Ghost of a Tale, October 9th, 24.99. They do not have kind of, they don't have a pre-order uh, uh, percentage off. So, all right, next we have Falcon Age. Uh, Falcon Age is uh, right now at 14.99. Um, I'm guessing, yeah, it says the sale will end October 15th. Uh, Falcon Age is actually, uh, I want to say it started off as a VR game. And then it's kind of moved over to what we have now here. Um, yeah. basically a regular console game. Yeah, uh, this is... Uh, I think it was also on PlayStation 
four as well. It's it's not a new game, but yeah, it, no, not a new game. Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing because yeah, this uh this bird will uh grow with you as you're teaching it and instructing it and stuff like that. And it was, as you said, a VR game. So um, that's going to be interesting that they removed the VR elements because there was a whole lot of interaction with there. So I'm, I'm kind of curious as to... Because this was a... I think it was a PlayStation VR game. That's why I said PS4. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm curious how it's going to play. Yeah, and I, and I know a lot of people, especially in the, the uh, Discord group, uh, Discord server, that are pretty excited for this game in particular. Yeah. Um, quick description, bond with a baby falcon and go on an adventure. Falcon Age is a first-person single-player action adventure where you play as Ara in her fight to reclaim her cultural legacy in the lost art of falcon hunting against a force of automated, automated colonizers. So it is, it's, I, I like, the, I like the, um, the look of it. Um, it's very minimalistic in terms of the UI, which is pretty cool. Um, it's, it's real first. I, I don't want to say real, like it's first person. The only thing you have, I, I hope, at least with the screenshots are showing, it, all you have is a compass on the bottom. A am I wrong in that? Do you see anything else otherwise, saying otherwise? Uh, it is very limited on UI stuff. So yeah, I think I think that's kind of it. It's probably immersive UI, where the UI is a natural part of of your character, like pieces you wear, like like the 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 wrist, that thing on your wrist on yep. on your right right arm. So yeah, it's pr it's probably going to be just subtle stuff like that, and that's fine. Immersive uh, UI is, I think excellent way to incorporate vr uh, or ui elements uh dead space did it real good mm -hmm. fallout uh does it not as well they well. incorporate like the hud display with the power armor um oops sorry um yeah, yeah, yeah. so they, they kind of do it that way i think uh metroid prime gets away with it because uh, you know, it does look like you're in the helmet, so you would expect UI elements to show up in there, but right. yeah, so stuff like that, I think it's great. All right, cool. So that is Falcon Age, October 9th, um, which is tomorrow, and it's got a little bit of a pre-order discount at $14.99. Um, so yeah, take a look at that one. Uh, next, we have, we're going to go with Vigil, The Longest Night. does have a pre-order sale on this one of uh where am i 1979 us dollars oh no this one is october 15th uh, again vigil the longest night you saying oh no yeah i don't know why they why did they release it why why do you say that what do you know oh i played it and and it it was shape enough to be good but it needed more work it's Need it's janky. Need more time. It needed more polish. It's okay. it's just a very good example of what they had in there was good, solid. They're on the right track. It just needed way more polish. And I played it what a month ago on PC, which is going to be the the closer to the final version than any other iteration platform iteration that there is. 
Mm-hmm. So, or maybe I played it two months ago or something like that. It was either a month ago or two months ago. It wasn't that far off. This is part of the indie, one of the the indie summer indie events, oh, okay. and it was during that. And they said, "Oh, this demo, a bunch of these demos are available, and this is one of them." And I played it. And I played it uh, pretty decently, and I was I was liking what I was playing, but. Yeah, as I said, it's they they need more. It needed more work, oh. and the fact that they're releasing it now means they didn't put in that extra work. They just finished it. Okay, fortunate. So I don't, I don't think it's going to score very high. Okay. So. Well, here's a description. Vigil: The Longest Night is a 2D action RPG with precise technical combat and a strong narrative. Souls like. <laughs> is pretty much what that means, right? Yeah, it uh, it is souls like, yeah. Yeah. Uh so Vigil the Longest Night aims to challenge players with this difficult while compelling uh them with a tale of Eldritch horror. Uh follow Leia on her quest to save her hometown from creeping evil infesting the surrounding countryside. Navigate navigate a world that wanders between dream and reality, sanity and madness, and uncover the secret of the longest night and the monstrous entities invading its world. I will say, though, I mean, uh, gameplay aside, I like the visuals on it. Um, I like the, um, yeah, I, I really am digging the visuals. I, again, I, I don't know what a game plays, plays like, but I, I, I think it's cool. That aspect of it, anyway. It, it plays fine but it doesn't play well so that's that's the best i can describe it It, it's there are some a little bit of jankiness in there uh in how it plays it doesn't play as accurate as you kind of want it to play and as smooth and as it it does it doesn't feel like you're completely in control of things and of situations but you know who knows? Maybe maybe they did uh, fix everything off because I did play. Maybe the demo I played was from uh, a few months right. prior to that. Maybe they did put put in enough to polish it up. I mean, because that, I, that I happens a lot, it. though. That happens a lot where you get an older build. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, generally, they should probably tell you that this isn't necessarily the end version of it. That sort of stuff. You're playing an older build, whatever. And that is going to do it for this episode here. I've split this episode into two different parts, mostly because it ran a little longer than what not only people would like to listen to. So be sure to follow the next segment where we discuss our top 15 horror RPGs. Once again, thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe everywhere. And if you can, please give us a rating and review. We want to climb up those charts. Thank you again for listening.